by making up for lost time. Williamsburg. It's a historical reenactment. It's uh, kind of like a renaissance fair, only more educational. Okay, well, it sounds interesting enough, but where exactly is it? Well, you're supposed to tell me. You're the one with the map. I'm looking at the map right now, and according to the map, we should be right in the middle of Colonial Williamsburg. Yeah, well, I don't think you're supposed to drive cars down the middle of the Colonial reenactment, but, uh, well, considering we just passed a fast food place, you probably are not yet in Colonial Williamsburg. That is my guess. Well, if you hadn't placed a moratorium on using my phone map, you'd probably get there a lot more efficiently. Well, I had to demand you only use the paper maps I brought. You, you cannot make a connection with the places you visit if you spend the entire time looking up boba tea shops on your phone. What is boba tea, anyway? I don't know, but it sounds like something someone who uses their phone map would be into. The Great American Road Trip demands the use of paper maps. Besides, map reading is a very useful skill that you really need to learn. It was good enough for our fathers, and it was good enough for their fathers, and it was good enough for their fathers. Why would I need to be able to read a map if I just have my phone with me? Well, because maybe you won't always have your phone with you. Yeah, that's what my elementary school math teacher said about calculators. But I've got one with me at all times because it's on my phone. Well, we'll unpack your uh, addiction to tech later, McLean. Right now, we got to focus on getting where we're going. Welcome back to Yesterday Today, folks, the show that brings you the best of yesterday's radio today. We are speeding through Virginia this week as we continue our Great American Road Trip, and we are closing in on Colonial Williamsburg, the reenactment of life in the American colonies. This is going to be our last stop in the southern leg of our trip. If we can just find the dang place, I think a town-sized replica of life 300 years ago would be easier to find. Now, hold on. I think the buildings are starting to look a bit more revolutionary in this area. Oh, hey, you're right. Looks like we made it. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think this is the place. All right, now we just got to find the visitor center. I think it's this left turn here. Okay. Uh, this isn't the visitor center, McLean. This is the middle of the reenactment. We're not supposed to be driving down this street. Well, turn around. They all label these streets better. Now the extra staring at us. Come on, boy, you turn it. Let's get out of here. All right, all right, all right. Oh, jeez. What was that? Ah, uh, I think we popped a tire. Uh, keep driving on the rim. We can change it after we get away from the reang. Hold on. I'm going to stop here and look at it first. Oh, no. No good. Nope. I think we bent an axle. We aren't going anywhere in this. What? We can't just stay here in the middle of this cobblestone street. That's probably illegal, I think. Well, it's definitely frowned upon, at least. Oh, there's a guy coming over here. Maybe he's coming to help. Yeah, maybe. Hey, uh, so, hey, we're, we're really sorry. We, we just, uh, we, we aren't trying to ruin your reenactment or anything. We just had a, um, a... Reenactment? I say, I'm not sure what you're speaking of. Say, it appears you've had a little breakdown with your carriage there. Quite peculiar-looking thing, isn't it? Huh? Carriage? Why? Your horses have run off and you've busted a wheel there. Horses? We didn't have any horses. Oh, now, don't be ridiculous. A carriage without horses? I suppose it was just propelling itself down the street, eh? 
Quite an amusing image that would be, yes. What are you talking about? No, McLean, I, I know what's going on. He's just, he's staying in character, that's all. Staying in character? Oh, yeah, this kind of stuff probably happens all the time. These guys are professionals. They're brilliant actors. Hey, uh, listen, uh, Mr. Um... Richard Thomas Clark. A pleasure to make your acquaintance. Right, uh, Richard. Uh, you wouldn't happen to know where we could find a mechanic around here? Why, of course. We have plenty of mechanics. Yeah, okay, uh, where's the closest one? That depends on what type of mechanic you're searching for. The printing press is just down the street there, and the blacksmith is a little while farther, and the rope maker, well, say, where is the rope maker? Uh, No, 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 I meant like a a mechanic for the car. A car? Our uh, carriage here needs to be repaired. Oh, well, why didn't you just say so? The wheelwright shop isn't too far away at all. The wheelwright? Yes. You should have no trouble fixing your carriage here. Though I must admit, I don't quite recognize what type of wood it appears to be made out of. What is that material? Is that metal? Uh, Well, while we visit the local wheelwright, we're going to get the show started with some appropriate Virginia-themed music. So, here you go. I'm coming, Virginia, I'm coming to stay. Don't hold it again, me, for running away. I've tried to forget you, but I found I'm all wrong. Leave your bright southern moon once more, I'll prove that dear old mammy tune. And if I can win ya, I'll never more roam. I'm coming, Virginia, my Dixieland home.
I didn't mind you telling me I was tacky as a man could be. I reckon you were justified. But I never thought you'd promenade to and fro with the carriage straight. Now you've gone and hurt my southern pride. When you took my honeysuckle vine over the Mason-Dixon line, I didn't take it teary-eyed. But I never thought I'd ever tag you with the Yankee scalawag. Now you've gone and hurt my southern pride. Saucy, prissy, bossy, missy, sashaying all around as if you owned the town playing possum, little magnolia blossom. You'd better mend your ways, settle down. Well, shut my mouth and fan my brow, having a heap of wearies now. I hope that you are satisfied. Oh, I never thought the day would arrive when my honey would be in a new beehive. Now you've gone and hurt my southern pride. out with worry cause me and my sweetness are through when you showed up dressed in northern blue down at the colonel's barbecue i didn't run off terrified but you broke my favorite julep glass and hit my batch of sassafras and now you've gone and hurt my southern pride i didn't mind the time you came close to calling me a dirty name i didn't try to tan your hide but I never thought you'd have the gall poking fun of my Dixie crawl, and now you've gone and hurt my southern pride. You're saucy and prissy and you're bossy and you're missy and sashaying all around as if you own the town playing possum, my little magnolia blossom. You'd better mend your ways, settle down. When Pappy said you'd take my dough, wasted away and off you'd go. I got right up and took your side. But you headed north when the moon was low with the money I stole from the Benny Show. And now you've gone and hurt my southern pride. loves her so, pretty little baby, giving me her kisses, in a little while maybe, she will be my little missus, she is the sunshine of Virginia, 
All the soldiers and the sailors give a whistle When my sweetie passes by When she visits U.S. old canteens Tough marines, sign swoon and water spoon And even scouting colonels when they catch her eye Meet her and leave her with a smile Is it any wonder that I love her When like skies above her she is the sunshine of her It steals the show like a thunderbird You'll find you can't buy better than Ford For room and ride, Ford is also great Just step inside a new Ford V8 You'll say you can't buy better than a Ford When you put a Ford out in front While other cars claim more No other can name more Exclusive new features you want And here's what's nice Come on in and see It's lowest priced of the low price three Which, which proves you can't buy better than a Ford Long your banjos ring in my ear, and I can hear the call of the Southland cornfields. Seem to say it's just the time of the year. Come on and hear the call of the South. I'll be so happy when I open the gate. To see my sweetie there who promised to wait And then when I deliver the kiss I'm gonna give her Trouble will drown way down in the Swanee River Southland I must go back to somebody I've missed I can't resist the call of the south all night long your banjos ring in my ear And I can hear the call of the Southland Corns where my heart seem to say It's just the time of the year Come on and hear the call of the Southland I'll be so happy when I open the gate See my sweetie there who promised to wait And when I deliver the kiss I'm gonna give her trouble Will round way down here in the Swanee River Oh, people, I must go back to somebody I've missed I can't resist the call of the south
happy when I open the gate to see my sweetie there who promised to wait. And then when I deliver the kiss I'm gonna give her trouble will drown way down in the Swanee River. Well, I must go back to somebody I've missed. I can't resist the call of the south. Well, it's the time of the year when all you can hear is the call. Just the call of the Got my dollar, 
Hush my mouth if I ain't going south. Open up the cabin door. My trunk is in my pocket. Lot of junk, don't need to hog it. Hush my mouth if I ain't going south. Polish up the cabin floor, sure. Ain't seen my mammy for the longest time. I know my pappy's getting old. And though I'm coming home without a dime, it's me they want to see and not my gold. I'm through with cloudy weather. Rain and me don't go together. Hush my mouth if I ain't going south. Open up the cabin door. resistor or regular spark plugs, Autolite staple batteries, Autolite electrical parts at your neighborhood Autolite dealers. Switch to Autolite. Good night. Hey, welcome back to Yesterday Today. McLean and I are strolling around the streets of Colonial Williamsburg in Virginia as our Great American Road Trip was a little interrupted when we suffered a flat tire on the cobblestone streets of this uh, little, little town where they're reenacting colonial life. We're lucky the wheelwright's reenactor was able to work on our car. Who would have thought that old jalopy you bought was closer in style to a colonial wagon than a modern-day sedan? One thing is for sure. That peculiar carriage of yours sure did bring a stir about the village today. Oh, Richard. Yeah, you're still here, huh? Why, yes. I figured while the wheelwright was repairing your carriage in the street there, I could learn a bit more about the two of you. You certainly are an odd pair of fellows. Hey now, what's that supposed to mean? Well, the way you're dressed for one, or not dressed, rather. The garment about your chest there scarcely does a job of clothing you. You mean my t-shirt? Why, yes. You're practically nude with no waistcoat or cravat, and you're not wearing any stockings. Your breeches just end the knee, exposing your 
bare and very pale legs. I'm wearing shorts. It's summer. What do you expect? Well, to be fair, I told you the same thing last week, McLean. Uh, Richard, you are laying it on a bit thick. Uh, I am afraid I do not know what you mean. No, I, I get the commitment to, to playing the part and all, but, you know, you, you can knock it off. We can, just, we can just talk normal. Are you suggesting that I am not who I say that I am? Well, no, I just, I just mean I don't, I don't know if the, uh, the accent is really all that, is all that convincing. I. What are you saying? I just, I just don't think you're very believable as an American colonist. So that's it, is it? Accusing me of being a British spy? Why, this is an outrage! Good day, sir. You seem to have hurt Richard's feelings there, Jake. Yeah, don't worry about him. He's just committed to playing the part. Anyway, up next on the show, we have an episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. One of the rare Johnny Dollar episodes I play on here that does not star Bob Bailey, who was my personal favorite Johnny Dollar. But this one takes place in Virginia. And so that's why we're playing it here. All right, enjoy that. Richard, I didn't mean it. You're a great colonist, man. You look, you look great. Couldn't tell you from Yankee Doodle. The Hallmark Playhouse, which is heard during most of the year at this time on Thursdays, has finished its summer vacation. So be with us when Hallmark Playhouse returns to CBS a week from tonight on September the 7th. Now, from Hollywood, it's time for Edmund O'Brien as... Johnny Dollar. Uh, Carl Brewster down at East Coast. Yes, Carl. Uh, I wonder if you'd do a little job for us. Sure, what is it? A policyholder of ours needs some protection. Well, I hope this doesn't indicate a trend. This is the second time an insurance company has hired me as a bodyguard. Isn't that rather unusual? Well, it's rather an unusual case. This girl, uh, her fiancé, has spent the past five years in prison. He's being released tomorrow, and he swears that the first thing he's going to do is kill her. Well, that's cozy. Mm-hmm. I think she deserves some help. Uh, come on down this afternoon, we'll talk it over. Edmund O'Brien, in a transcribed adventure of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator, yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Home Office, East Coast Underwriters, Hartford, Connecticut. Attention, Carl Brewster. The following is an accounting of my expenditures during assignment on the Virginia Beach matter. Expense account item one, a dollar and a half cab fare from my apartment to your office. Well, well, you're prompt, Dollar. How are you, Mr. Brewster? Or did we set any particular time? No, I guess we didn't. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm glad to see you anyway. Sit down. Thank you. Now, let's see. Oh, yes, the Browning girl, Janice Browning. Uh, how much did I tell you over the phone? That her boyfriend was getting out of stir and was going to kill her. What you left unsaid was that she probably deserves it. What's that? I don't hold much sympathy for these dames that get themselves involved with some hoodlum and then decide to get disinvolved the minute the going gets rough. But it's your money. I wouldn't jump to conclusions, Dollar. This is a pathetic case. Of course, the girl made a mistake in taking up with this fellow, but five years is a long time to think. And she realized her mistake. What did he go up for I believe it was robbery. You know if she spent all the loot before she realized her mistake? Now, Dollar. Why doesn't she hire a bodyguard herself? Because she can't afford it. She has nothing. She turned to us because there was no place to go. Poor thing is in desperate fear of her life, Dollar. Surely you can appreciate that. 
Okay, give me the rest. There's a little more. She's living in Virginia, uh, outside of Norfolk, uh, Virginia Beach. Janice Browning, was it? Uh-huh. Uh, I have her dress for you. Her fiancé's name is Robeson, uh, Mark Robeson. And he's due out tomorrow? From the state penitentiary at Richmond. Uh, just stay with her until we see what happens. She, uh, she was here, Dollar. I talked to her. This will not be an unpleasant assignment for you. She must have something more than a policy to knock this whole company off its feet far enough to hire a bodyguard. That could spell bankruptcy if it went far enough. Expense account item two, $110. Transportation and incidentals between Hartford and Virginia Beach, Virginia. Virginia Beach seemed hardly the scene for potential murder. A white strip of sunny beach on one hand and a friendly forest of pine on the other. I found Janice Browning's address just south of the village proper. A fair-sized cottage surrounded first by a small, well-kept garden and then undeveloped land. When I got out of the cab, I was looked over by a trim little honey blonde thing in shorts and halter who waited for me on the veranda. Hello. Hello. You seem to be carrying a suitcase. Are you sure you haven't been misdirected? Are you Miss Janice Browning? No, I'm her personal maid. Who are you? My name is Dollar. I'm the investigator from the insurance company. Did you say personal maid? Yeah. Did you say investigator? That's right. Well, I hope you'll pardon me if I'm confused. I was not notified of the arrival of no investigator. What is it you want? Miss Browning asked for me. She went to her insurance company and requested a bodyguard. A bodyguard? Well, I don't know about that. But then there are lots of things I don't know as yet. I'm new here. But if she asks for you, you may as well come in. Thanks. I suppose you were surprised when I said I was Miss Browning's personal maid because of the way I'm dressed, if you'll pardon the expression. As a matter of fact, I was surprised that she had one. Why'd you say that? I'd been led to believe that she couldn't afford things like that. Well, between you and I, I haven't been paid yet. But she seems to be very generous. She turned over her entire wardrobe for me to wear at any time. Yeah, but maybe that's a bad sign. Maybe she's going to pay me off in clothes. And they don't quite fit, as you can see. How long have you been here? Just only three days. My name's Betty Light. I took the name Light from my stepfather. What are you doing here? Well, Miss Browning has a fiancé coming out of prison today, and she's afraid to meet him alone. Prison? Well, you could never tell. But I suppose it's her business. What is it? Well, if I was sweating out a fiancé after all that time, I wouldn't be quite so thick with what she's thick with. What do you mean? Well, if I were him, I'd feel cheated. She hasn't been wasting her time, from what I can tell. And in one week, that's plenty. But I shouldn't be gassing like this. Who is he? His name is George Masters. And if there's a fiancé on tap, he'd better be careful. Why is she afraid, as if she shouldn't be? Well, because she changed her mind about him and evidently didn't tell him about it. Sure, the same old story. Well, this is a surprise to me, but the least I can do is work out the wig. You know, Betty, I feel the same way. It was just past midday when I arrived, and it wasn't until almost five that a cream-colored convertible coasted into the driveway carrying a man and another honey blonde. I could see immediately how Janice Browning had swept the insurance company off its feet. How do you do, Mr. Dollar? I'm so glad you're here. 
Oh, oh may I present Mr. Masters? Oh, I, Mr. Masters. Uh, I won't stay, Jan. I know you have things to talk over. I'll pick you up at seven. All right, George. Uh, bye, Dollar. feel a lot better, too, now that you're here. I'll do what I can. See you at seven, Jan. I'll be ready. Oh, please sit down, Mr. Dollar. Oh, Betty. Yes, Miss Browning. I don't think we'll need anything, and I'd like to see Mr. Dollar alone, if you don't mind. Oh, by all means, Miss Browning. Could I have your permission to visit the beach? Of course, stay as long as you like. You know where the beach things are. Oh, I wouldn't think of encroaching. I'll just go the way I am. She's the strangest girl. Where'd you find her? She was a waitress in New York. I asked her if she wanted to come down for the rest of the summer. I thought she'd be company. But she's become so formal, or tries to be. Oh, would you like a drink or something? No, thanks. I suppose you think I'm an awful coward to scream for help the way I did. Well, I haven't heard all the particulars. I, I really didn't know what else to do. I thought of running away, but, well, I've made friends here. There's a simple fact that I don't have any money. How serious do you think this threat to kill you is? I'm afraid it's quite serious. But I, I don't know what will happen, and I wanted somebody to be with me. When did you see him last? Six months ago. I thought about it for a long time, about our breaking our engagement and which would be the best way to do it, and I decided to face him while he was still in prison and simply tell him I couldn't go on. Well, that wasn't the easiest way to hand it to him. I know, but it was the fairest, I thought. He didn't create a scene or anything, but I'll never forget his expression. He just looked at me and said, Have your fun. You've only got six months, because when I get out of here, I'm going to kill you. Well, now the six months are up. He's been let out. He knows you're here? Yes, he'll come here. Your friend Master said he was going to call for you at seven. Where were you going? Just to dinner and maybe a club afterward. I think you'd better cancel it. Why? I'll go crazy if I have to sit in this house and just wait. I don't want you to come back here after dark for one reason. If you can't go a long distance and stay, I don't want you to leave at all. The village is too small. If he knows it, he'll find you. I'll be with George. Look, you managed to put the responsibility of this thing into the lap of your insurance company, and they handed it to me. Now, I want you to stay here where I can keep my eye on you. All right, Mr. Dollar. I'll do anything you want me to. Good. Oh, uh, you might mix that drink you offered. Scotch, if you have it, and plain water. The rest of the evening was spent with small talk and mounting tension. The state penitentiary was no more than a hundred miles from Virginia Beach, and since it's the habit of prisons to turn out their guests at dawn, Mark Robeson had had plenty of time to make the trip. In spite of a sultry night, I closed and locked all the doors and windows, and by eleven, the cottage was dark, with everyone retired. The living room was the most strategic spot in the house, so I stretched myself across a couch that was too short for me and listened to the silence. It must have been some time after midnight when I heard a door crack behind me. Who's that? It's I, Mr. Dollar. Oh, you shouldn't be roaming around the house, Betty. I down near laid a chair across your head. Oh, it was too hot to sleep, and besides, I have a few things on my mind if you're interested. Sure, sure, sit down. Oh, thanks. Did I not understand you to say that this con was her fiancé? That's right. Well, she certainly lives in circles, if you ask me. I happen to uncover some information that will knock you for a loop. What? Well, basically, I've never been a snoop, but I didn't go to the beach. Oh? No, after you advised me of the situation around here, I felt I had a right. I went into her room, which is no more than an oversized closet with bath, 
And it's a good thing I did, because in a drawer I found a picture of Miss Browning posing as a bride. A bride? Yeah. Are you sure of that? As sure as I'm sitting here. And the guy standing with her was a bridegroom if I ever saw one. Were they fancy? What do you think of that? I don't know. It doesn't necessarily mean anything. But from what I've overheard, this fiancé of hers has been in prison for five years. Yeah, that's the story. Then how come her wedding picture was taken in 1947? Was it? And that's what's stamped on the back of it. Now, is that screwy or isn't it? It definitely is. And there are some other things that don't ring truly. For example, this mug she is currently tied to. I heard her when she called him tonight, and it sounded more like... <laughs> he blasted your room. Get down the floor. Stay there. Hey, hold it. Hold it, Rose. He hadn't moved away from the window. He'd fired through When I got to him, he was still pointing the now empty gun at me, pulling the trigger and looking down at it stupidly. Get away. I won't go back. I don't have to stay in the hospital now. I'm all better now. Give me the gun, Robeson. It's empty. No. It's mine. You're one of her men. She always had men. No, I'm not one of her men. Let's go in the house and calm down. You talk like a doctor. Yeah, you're a doctor. You can't take me back. Get away from me. You told me to make myself believe that she was dead and I'd sleep better. Come on, Robeson. Get away. I won't go back. Let go. Don't cause any more trouble, Robeson. Now, come on. I won't go back. Let go, Robeson. No. Now I don't have to go back. Let go. I'd heard stories of the unbelievable physical strength of those whose mental strength is gone. I got his hands away from my throat by sinking my knee into his stomach. But there was nothing I could do to hold him. He lumbered off into the darkness and disappeared. I didn't need a medical opinion to know that I wasn't protecting Janice Browning from a released convict. I was protecting her from a homicidal maniac. There's the opportunity of a lifetime waiting today for any healthy young American man. An opportunity to begin a profitable and stable career for himself and at the same time to offer assistance to his nation, to the United Nations, in their present conflict against armed aggression. The United States Armed Forces need volunteers today in every branch of the service. You have the chance to choose not only the branch, but the type of work which you feel will be of the most benefit to you in the years ahead. May we suggest that you go to your nearest recruiting office now to see if you are eligible to volunteer and inquire about the many opportunities open to you. And now, back to our star, Edmund O'Brien, and the second act of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. Are you all right, Mr. Dollar? Yeah. Turn on some lamps in here, but stay away from the windows. I doubt if he'll come back, but he might. That brute is still on the loose? Yeah, yeah. Where's Miss Browning? She's still in her room. I heard her bawling, but she stopped now. Miss Browning? Yes? I'm coming in. Where, where is he? I couldn't hold him. Where's the light switch? No, no, don't turn on the lights. He thinks he killed you. He won't come back tonight. Well, why don't you go ahead and say it? Oh, I'd better not. As a matter of fact, I don't mind your lies or the way I was dragged into this. But what really stinks is you're hiring that girl because she looks enough like you 
to be mistaken for you at a distance. You give her your clothes to wear and you put her into your room. She'd be dead now if she hadn't come into the living room. I'm not trying to pass the blame, but it was George Master's idea. He remembered her and thought bringing her here might be a way to save my life. Robeson's your husband, isn't he? Yes, he's my husband. What's he doing running around loose? He escaped from a hospital in Pennsylvania. He's been there a year. He tried to kill me before he was committed. Why didn't you tell the insurance company the truth? I did. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. It was Mr. Brewster's idea to tell you that he was coming out of prison... He thought you wouldn't take the job if you knew the truth. Well, he was right, and I'm leaving the job right now. Oh, you have every right to. You can get yourself some protection around here. I couldn't when I tried. I went to every private detective in Norfolk and Portsmouth. None of them would take the case? No. Well, what about the police? What is this, county out here? Yes, it is. I notified the sheriff's office, and they promised me extra patrols, but that's the best they could do. How did you happen to turn to the insurance company? Well, George Masters is my lawyer. He suggested it. Mr. Dollar, I'm not begging for help or excusing anything I've done, but I've been half crazy with fear and the awful lost feeling when nobody would help me. I, I, I had to do something. What about your lack of money? Was that a lie, too? Oh, every penny I had has been spent on treatment for Mark. I borrowed from George on my insurance. I, I sold our house in Connecticut, and that money's gone. This property is all I have left, and I borrowed against it. Uh, I guess you've had your troubles. Who can I talk to about your husband? You mean a, a doctor? Yes, I thought maybe a doctor might know what Robeson would do next. Well, Dr. Becker came on to Norfolk after he warned me that Mark had escaped. His, his phone number is in the little book on the stand. Well, I hate to bother him, but I'd like to have him come out tonight. Mr. Dollar? Yeah? You're staying? Well, not any longer than I have to. Say, uh, you'd better get up and have a drink. You're shaking like a leaf. I changed my mind about dropping the case, Mr. Brewster, not only because she was a beautiful woman in a tough situation, but also for another reason. I awoke Dr. Becker at his hotel in Norfolk, and after I outlined the night's events to him, he agreed to come out. It must have been a decidedly unpleasant experience, Mr. Dollar. On the other hand, you are fortunate to be alive. Yes, I guess I am. Robeson is only dangerous when his basic jealousy is aggravated. You say you arrived with Luggy? That's right. Perhaps he was watching then and misunderstood your visit. Oh, I get it. Well, what do we do now, Doctor? He probably thinks he killed her. Can we expect him to come back? Well, that is hard to say. He'll suffer a deep sense of remorse. Then he may feel that what took place was only a figment, a dream. The remorse would cause introspection and keep him away. The fantasy thought might bring him back to investigate. When? Oh, who knows? Tonight, even. Or tomorrow. Would he try to kill her again? Oh, yes, yes. An extremely strong fixation. Uh, do you want him to come back? Well, I want to see the end of this. That's the best way I can think of. I'll keep his wife here tomorrow, outside, so he can see her if he does oh, come. She's the one who really has suffered, the poor girl. I wish there were a way to ensure her safety. We could alert the police. Well, with the police on the scene, then he would not return. Shh, shh. Here she comes. Oh, hello, Dr. Becker. Oh, good evening, my dear. Oh, morning, rather. Oh, I'm so sorry about the trouble. Oh, I'm afraid it can't be helped. I was so sure at one point that he was responding to treatment. Oh, I know you've done your best, Doctor. Mr. Dollar, I may be imagining things, but I'm awfully worried. 
It'll be all right. No, I'm, I mean, I tried to phone George and there's no answer. It's after two and he should be at home. Mark knew that George and I have always been friendly. Would there be any danger to this man, Doctor? Oh, I hardly think so. All of your husband's aggressive urge was directed toward you, Janice. Well, could we go and see if everything is all right? I, I, I can't help it. I'm worried. Where does he live? In the village. It's not far from here. Could we borrow your car, Doctor? Oh, by all means, my dear. Here, here are the keys. You'll come with me, Mr. Dollar? Oh, I'm not letting you go alone. We'll be back as soon as we can, Doctor. Oh, this is his house, the white one. Oh, there's his car in the driveway. There's a light on. Maybe his phone is out of order. I told him I'd let him know if anything happened. George? George, it's Jan. He doesn't answer. I want to go in. Yeah, let's see. Hmm, it's unlocked. George? Light's coming from a room back there. Oh, that's his study where the phone is. Oh, we can check that then. George Masters was lying face up in the middle of a room that had been pretty well torn up by the struggle. The first thing I noticed were the bruises left on his throat by the hands that had choked him to death. I noticed another thing when I went to the desk to phone the police. There was a gun lying on it, and I would have sworn that it was the same police special Mark Robeson was carrying earlier in the evening. took Dr. Becker to quiet Janice Browning after I literally dragged her out of the master's house and got her home. Well, I hope she can rest now, but she's dangerously near to mental collapse herself. Yes, I can understand that. Is there anything further that I can do, Mr. Dollar? Nothing now, Betty. Get some sleep if you can. Sleep? Who could sleep? Well, and spend your time packing. You're going back to New York in the morning. I certainly am. As for me, you can give Virginia Beach back to the Indians. Was Janice in love with Masters, Doctor? I think so. A great feeling of loyalty, at least. He had helped her so much with monetary loans and so on. But you said he wouldn't remember the association between Masters and his wife. Yes, I was convinced that he wouldn't. There was a police special in Masters' study. I'm positive it was the same one that Robeson used here. Oh? I tried to take it away from him. I couldn't. Why should he leave it at Masters? Well, I don't know. Say, did they know one another before Robeson broke down? Oh, yes. They were quite friendly. They... Well, good heavens, Dollar. What are you driving at? Mm, Jana's borrowed from Masters on a life insurance policy. That usually means making the lender a beneficiary. I don't know how much the policy was for, but I'm going to find out. Well, I dislike having to agree with you, Dollar, but... But I do. In Robeson's warped mind, Janice was the archenemy... It would have been quite easy for Masters to inflame Robeson to the point where where he would kill his own wife. Oh, Mr. Dollar! Mr. Dollar! What is it, Betty? Well, he's back. That man, he came back. All right, now take it easy. You're all right. But I saw him. He was looking in the window. One, The one he shot through. Doctor, was... doctor, take care of her, will you? I'd better get back to Janice's room. There was no more trouble that night, nor was there any rest. We knew that since Robeson had come back, he realized his mistake. 
and we knew that he would try to come back again. We agreed that instead of calling for police protection, we would let him return and try to handle him when he did. An hour after daybreak, we felt it safe to relax, and it wasn't until noon that I drove Betty Light into Virginia Beach and put her aboard a bus bound for the comparative safety of New York. Before I started the return trip, I made a swing past George Masters' house, convinced the deputy sheriff in charge that I had a right to poke my nose in, and got myself back into the study. I suppose it'd be all right if you'd go in. They took up all the evidence they wanted, I guess. What was that, Sheriff? Uh, all the things that pick up prints. Here you are. What do you want to look at? Some of his papers. I won't interfere with your work, but I'd like to know how he stood financially. You think that has something to do with it? Oh, I don't know. It might. They dusted all them drawers, so I guess it's all right if you pull them. He's a lawyer, you know. Yeah, I know. Said the field's wide open. A lot of people didn't like him. Oh? I didn't know that. What's that book? It's a ledger. Kept his accounts in it. What'd you find? Janice Brown. Who's that? Somebody he loaned some money to him. Ooh, I'll say he did. Twenty thousand dollars. Ah, that's all I wanted, Sheriff. Thanks, and I hope I haven't caused you too much trouble. What I'd found was another link in a chain of circumstantial evidence that would never be used since George Masters was dead. He had loaned Janice Browning the thousands she had spent on treatments for her husband, and it was obvious that there was no chance of her ever being able to pay him back. The last notation revealed the fact that a $5,000 loan had been made on her insurance policy in April. A long-distance call of the company told me that the policy was for $50,000 and that George Masters had become the sole beneficiary the same month, April. purpose in telling her, Mr. Dollar, or questioning her? I don't either, Doctor. I hadn't planned to, but the sheriff's office won't think twice about throwing it at her if it gets out. If you will um, allow me the privilege of perjuring a certain amount of expert testimony, I think I could manage to gloss over it. Well, the deputy saw it, but I don't think it sank in. Uh, I hope not. Of course, we're assuming that we'll be successful in subduing Robson. You said he would come back. I'm sure he will. It is you I'm worried about. Well, I'll have to be ready for him this time. He's too strong to take without a weapon. I hate to do it. Oh, I don't think you need to be. The poor fellow will have no idea what is happening except that he has come back. Okay. Is she awake? Yes, yes, I think so. Well, it's three o'clock. She should be outside in case he's watching. Yes, yes. I'll go and explain our tactics to her. Good luck, Mr. Dollar. I hope all goes well. seemed almost cruel, baiting the trap, but it had to be done. We paraded Janice Browning through the garden in her most fetching get-up until dark, and then sent her in to sit in front of an open window. I don't know how she held on to her own sanity. I do know that I had a little trouble myself. I sneaked into a position outside the house from which there was a good view of all the approaches but the one from the north. He arrived at about 10.30. He was moving toward the living room window, and I started toward him. Hi, Mark. What? I can't see you. I'm George Masters. You remember? George Masters? That's right. It's your fault. She wasn't in that room. Did I tell you she was in that room? You aren't George Masters. 
He made a mistake. I told him, and he said I made a mistake. You're the doctor. Get away from me. We'll do it right this time, Mark. Come here. George Masters is dead. You aren't George Masters. No, I'm not, Mark. But you have to come with me. No, I don't. I won't go back to the hospital. I won't let you. Mark. Robeson, don't. Get away from me. No, I don't. I'm sorry, Robeson. I don't know what Becker is going to say to the police, but I do know what he learned from his patient after he was returned to the hospital and quieted down. Enclosed, you will find the doctor's confidential statement. He did go to Masters, hoping to ally him as a friend. Taking advantage of his escape, Masters armed him in the hope of realizing a profit from Janice's insurance policy. But Robeson, in his agitation, fired into the wrong room. And because he placed the blame for his mistake on Masters instead of himself... He became violent, and as a result, Masters was killed. Expense account item three, same as item two, transportation back to Hartford. Expense account item four, and this is to you personally, Mr. Brewster. Payment for deceit in acing me into this matter, $500. Expense account total, $855.75. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, stars Edmund O'Brien in the title role and is written by Gil Dowd with music composed and conducted by Leith Stevens. Edmund O'Brien can currently be seen starring in the Columbia Pictures production, 7-Eleven Ocean Drive. Featured in tonight's cast were Bob Sweeney, Virginia Gregg, Gene Bates, Hi Averback, and Howard McNear. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, was transcribed in Hollywood by Jaime Del Valle. CBS is the star's address, and when you pay a daytime call, you'll find one of CBS' greatest stars, Arthur Godfrey, on hand to welcome you five days a week, Monday through Friday, for an hour and a quarter each day. Arthur and all the little Godfreys make life more musical and fun for you. Hear Arthur Godfrey's daytime program every Monday through Friday on most of these same CBS stations. To hear each and every star, leave your dials where they are, because this is CBS, the star's address. Yes, CBS, the star's address. Yes, this is CBS, where Philip Marlowe takes the case every Friday night on the Columbia Broadcasting System. Welcome back to Yesterday Today. We're wrapping up our tribute to the state of Virginia as we're getting ready to leave Colonial Williamsburg and head north. Yeah, I gotta be honest. I wasn't having high hopes about the wheelwright replacing our popped tire, but the wooden wagon wheel he put in there seems to be pretty sturdy. Well, it's sturdy enough to get us out of the middle of the reenactment, at least. Yeah, not a moment too soon. That was embarrassing, having this jalopy break down in the middle of what was supposed to be an authentic piece of living history. Surprised we didn't get in trouble. Well, what are they gonna do? Lock us up in the stocks and throw things at us? <laughs> Wait a second. What's that on the windshield of the car? What? Let me see. Ah, gee. Well, we got a ticket after all. I guess this place isn't as authentic as I thought. I didn't know they gave out traffic tickets in the 1700s. 
Wait, that actually makes a lot of sense. What do you mean? See, Colonial Williamsburg is supposed to be set when America was still part of England. And we came in here driving on the right side of the cobblestone street. That means in Britain you were driving on the wrong side of the road. Mm, funny. Very funny. Come on, get in the car. If you want more yesterday today, you can visit KISU.org or wherever you get your historic colonial revolutionary podcasts. Yeah, and stay tuned next week, folks. We're going to be motoring through New England for the first part of September before we head home for autumn. So we'll see you next week. Get me up there, mother. Get me up. Get me up. You carry me back to old Virginia. That's where the cotton and the corn and taters grow. That's where the birds wobble sweet in the springtime. That's where the old dog is.